0: This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Just what the doctor ordered. Yes, it's a sports cliche, but it's a Victory Monday edition of the Nothing But Bucks podcast. So I'm going to be full of cliches. Generally, I'm just full of it, but uh, full of different uh, cliches, sports phrases, etc. Had to have it. Uh, It wasn't quite backs against the wall, but give credit where credit is due. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers come off of their late, late bye week and get an impressive win over a team that was chasing an NFC wildcard playoff spot in the Minnesota Vikings. Buccaneers just better in a four-quarter game, 26-14 over the Minnesota Vikings, and now have set themselves up with three games remaining to make the NFC playoffs. All you want to do is get in. And Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, the entire crew. That's had. Let's don't forget Ryan Suck up the kicker, Bradley Pinion, the veteran punter. All these different guys contributed in yesterday's game in one form or another. Jason Pierre-Paul, who has a Super Bowl ring just like Brady and Gronk uh, have as well. Uh, the These guys know what it takes to win in December. They smell playoffs on the line. And for some of these other guys like Mike Evans and Levante David that have been here for a long time, wanting wanting desperately to play in the postseason for the first time in their careers, we're not there yet, but you're on the verge of having that opportunity after this win to get to 8-5 and five, uh, on the year. All right, so welcome in. Uh, Glad that you found us, whether it was a social media link that led you to us or Buccaneers.com or the Buccaneers mobile app. A reminder, we are here after each and every Buccaneer game with a recap podcast. I give you my insight, my analysis. We've got highlights coming up from the Hall of Famer Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore on Buccaneers uh, Radio. I'm part of that radio broadcast. Post-game interviews and conversation as well uh, here as we uh, go along on the podcast and from time to time, we'll get inside and analysis from special guests as we go along. So, uh, again, uh, subscribe however you found the podcast with the Buccaneers mobile app, through Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Just search nothing but Bucks, and the podcast will come automatically to you with the notification. Uh, right now, in the mode of Mondays, obviously, right after Christmas, we now know. On the 26th, that the game with the Detroit Lions is a Saturday game on the 26th, not the Sunday 27th day. So I will get you a post-game Buccaneers Nothing But Bucks podcast post-Saturday Lions game. May even have that one Saturday night ready to go. We will see before the NFL slate of games on Sunday. But typically... The morning after Buccaneer games, and let's hope we have lots more of these in January because that means there's playoff uh, implications, et cetera. Find us here on Nothing But Bucks. All right. So as you know by now, uh, the Buccaneers get the victory, get to eight and five. It is the first time that uh, Tampa Bay has been eight and five since the 2016 season. That year under Dirk Cutter with Jameis Winston at quarterback, second year for Jameis, uh, Mike Evans, what in his. Uh, third season in the NFL, Levante David is part of that team uh, as well. That team had won five games in a row late in the year after a three and five start. The 2016 Bucks won five games in a row to get to eight and five, right on the cusp of the NFC playoff picture with three games to go. And remember, if you're a longtime Buccaneer fan, that led NBC to flex the Buccaneers with uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, the Cowboys being the big draw. The Cowboys were trying to lock up the NFC East uh, and the playoffs, which they eventually did. So the Bucs ended up being flexed into Sunday night football at Dallas that year fell to the Cowboys, and then lost the Christmas Eve game. Speaking of Christmas, lost the Christmas Eve game six days later in New Orleans on the Saturday afternoon uh, that season that basically dashed the hopes. All right, we don't want to talk anymore about 2016 and what didn't happen. I'm just making a reference point that it has been a little bit since the Bucks have been in this position uh, trying to make the playoffs. Uh, and obviously, uh, right now at 8-5, and five, looking good in the NFC because you're at least two games clear of everybody uh, right now including with tiebreakers in the sixth spot with seven spots and keep this in mind now the NFL already decided this before this year they're expanding the playoffs from here on out to seven teams in the NFC seven teams in the AFC which means three wild card teams instead of two now which uh, that that means the Buccaneers are even more uh, secure in that. Yes, you still have got to win one game for sure out of the remaining three. But if you do, and you have a ninth win, more than likely with the tiebreakers, Buccaneers would be in in the seventh in the seventh spot. Look, the five spot is very much within your grasp. Even after Seattle's uh, bombing of the New York Jets on uh, on Sunday afternoon, which got them a ninth win, Seattle is still going to be in a big battle the the final three games. With NFC West competition, um, and, and uh, they're they're still obviously vying to maybe win the division title uh, against the uh, the LA Rams uh, at this point. Uh, with the Rams also looking good at nine and four. So those two teams are going to battle out. One of them wins the division. The Buccaneers just hope, keep winning. Get to a 10th win, maybe even get win out. Maybe even get to an 11th uh, win to get to 11-5, and five, and you could be in that 5-hole. And dare I say, I'll elaborate on this a little bit later on, the division possibility, while slim, not likely, is still there for the NFC South after the Eagles defeated the Saints on Sunday. We'll have more on that. Uh, as we uh, wind things down in the podcast and look ahead to this week and the game upcoming with the Atlanta Falcons, the first of two meetings for the Bucks with the Falcons all the way at the end of the year. This is crazy that you've not played Atlanta through the first 14 weeks of the season. Now you'll play them twice in the final three weeks of the season. But that is the case uh, here at the very end, including the final game, the finale at Raymond James Stadium, which may have Huge playoff implications for seeding at that point uh, and and be of, of real relevance. Uh, more on all of that at the end after we recap this game with the Vikings. So as we mentioned, uh, Buccaneers came in off of the bye week, the latest bye week they've ever had, a week 13 bye. And one of the first things here as we get ready to get into the highlights is the Bucs were very healthy or about as healthy as they could be In this one, including dealing with COVID-19, the pandemic that continues on. Reminder again, wear your mask, social distance, uh, make sure that you wash your hands, take all of the precautions as all this is going on, uh, because it's only going to help that that continues. And it helped in the Buccaneers case, uh, as they didn't have any issues, not a single COVID-19 issue, contact tracing or otherwise coming off the bye week, and that's one of the few teams in the NFL that have not dealt with the problem after their bye week where the players go away and uh, are not being tested every day and are being left essentially on their own to do the uh, the social distancing requirements, uh, wear the mask, etc. And you've already seen several teams be burned by this, the Baltimore Ravens being one of them recently, the Denver Broncos having to play without a quarterback. We saw the Patriots have to play a game earlier this year without Cam Newton because of a positive test. Uh, so it's good that the Bucks were healthy uh, for the most part. Only Jamel Dean among the starters was, an, was a, a non-healthy inactive, uh, battling a concussion and a groin injury, so he was not active for the game. But other than that, the Buccaneers were healthy and were ready to go. Got Donovan Smith rested up. Uh, got uh, Ali Marpet uh, back in, in the fold, fully healthy after his concussion earlier in November. So you were ready to go here for the stretch run, and that's good news. Let's get into the highlights here. As the Vikings came in off of a dramatic overtime win the previous week uh, over the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars at home, that meant Minnesota had won five of six games, by the way, to climb back into the NFC playoff picture. Not all the way there. They were looking very much to get a win o- over Tampa Bay to put them in the in the great position now of uh, of not only being 7-6, and six, but having the head-to-head tiebreaker with the Buccaneers. That's why this game off the bye week, it wasn't everything, but it was a large game in the NFC wildcard playoff picture for tiebreaker purposes uh, as well. So the Vikings knew that. And Dalvin Cook leading the NFL coming into this game, the former Florida State running back in yards from scrimmage, uh, rushing and receiving. You knew that uh, that Kirk Cousins had been playing better football, although he's always prone to making the bad pass, the uh, the interception, and having the issues. Uh, But still, Minnesota had been playing uh, much better football as you came into this one. So we get into the highlights on this one, and uh, the Buccaneers were able to force... Minnesota to punt on the opening drive. Bucks picked up an early first down. We talked so much in the pregame buildup on Buccaneers Radio about the start to the game. Buccaneers picked up a first down, but couldn't get any more uh, after that. Uh, Brady missing Rob Gronkowski on a on a long throw. It wasn't an easy throw, but it was a throw that he could have made, and Gronk potentially had a 40- or 50-yard play or bigger on it. So you're forced to punt the ball away, and that means Minnesota on their second possession would go uh, marching down the field on their uh, first uh, scoring drive of the day, 84-yard time-consuming drive, eight minutes and 15 seconds off the clock. It actually bled from the end of the first quarter into the beginning of the second uh, uh, quarter. And on a second-and-goal situation, the Vikings got it.
1: Second down, goal. Just Shy of the one yard line. Here's the snap feed, the ball to Cook. He's to the left side. Tackle can't bring it down and he crosses the plate of the end zone. It's a touchdown for the Vikings. Boy, five foot ten, 210 pounds. He plays like he's about 240.
0: And there's that man, Dalvin Cook, hammering in from a yard out for the early six nothing lead. And it stayed six nothing, by the way, because Dan Bailey, the veteran kicker, for Minnesota. Missed the extra point wide to the left. He got pressured and hooked it a little to the left. No good. The game remained 6-0 uh, at that stage of things and so uh, the the theme of bad kicks would continue uh, as the game went on. All right, What would also continue is the Buccaneer defense would, would lock in uh, and begin to really bother, harass, knock down and sack Kirk Cousins Including right here early on in the game, the first time uh, of significance in the game, the Buccaneers got to it. 50 backfield for Cousins. Third down and six. Cousins under pressure, under pressure. He will go down at the 17
1: yard line. Second sack of the game, and Indomicon Sue got to him.
0: Indomicon Sue comes up with the sack, as Mean Gene called it there. That would be a theme as this day uh, went on. Uh, Sue with. Uh, again doing a lot of unsung things taking up uh, run space in the middle of the defense taking on double teams sometimes beating double teams to make plays in the run game or in the pass game there he gets free for an opportunity to get Kirk Cousins on the ground and that's exactly what happened and the Vikings uh, forced to punt the ball away and the Buccaneers get the ball with about nine and a half to go in the second quarter and move quickly on a long pass to Mike Evans uh, down the right sideline then they're able to uh, get a Ronald Jones five-yard run to bring up a third and short, and uh, a lot of us have been wondering about the involvement of Scotty Miller in recent games and recent weeks, especially after his productivity and his success in the first half of the season. Buccaneers come off the bye week and dial one up with Scotty Miller going deep. How about a gun? Brady takes the snap, has protection, looks
1: up field, throws a deep ball downfield. Throws oh, Scotty Miller, Miller K makes the catch, touchdown to Tampa Bay, run Scotty, run. Fire
0: the cannons. Oh, yes. Gotta love it on the long one uh, to Scotty Miller. The longest touchdown pass of the season to this point for the Buccaneers at 48 yards officially. Brady to Miller. And the Buccaneers, can I say this with a smile in my voice on the Nothing But Bucks podcast on the Monday after recap? Up for good in this game. When Ryan Suckup made the extra point turns out the Buccaneers would never trail after that at seven to six now the game was still a back and forth game Minnesota still driving but again give credit where it is due the Buccaneers were able to once again back the Vikings up with a sack uh, pushing them back and when they did it made a longer field goal for Bailey here in the second quarter
1: 54-yard attempt the spot is down the kick is airborne and it is a floater a floater a floater and it is wide right he's 0 for two and missed a point after two thank you
0: mr bailey so that was a 54 yarder wide to the right as Bailey's struggles continued throughout this game that was actually at uh at that point in time his third miss of the first half uh, and so now the Buccaneers seem to be inspired uh, right after that, right after that miss, because the Bucks get the football back, they go on a drive themselves, uh, eventually get a couple of big plays, one of those was a pass interference, uh, at first was a helmet-to-helmet hit after a LaShawn McCoy run, uh, Harrison Smith was called with a helmet-to-helmet hit. Mike Evans then interfered with in the end zone, setting up first and goal at the one, and the Bucks have been tremendous in goal-to-go situations throughout the year and capitalized here. First
1: down and goal from the one handoff, on Rojo over the top, touchdown Tampa Bay, like a rocket shot, fire the cannons.
0: Yeah, Ronald Jones up and over with his latest touchdown of the season. Uh, He has just continued to work hard and blossom into the running back that we all believed he could be as a second-round pick out of USC. Extra point good. All the points would be important. 14-6, Buccaneers in front. And then a key sequence late in the first half where Minnesota was trying to go and maybe get points down 14-6, knowing in the final minute of the first half the Buccaneers are going to get the ball to start the second half. And they're unable to do so. They're unable to get a first down. Buccaneers take one of their timeouts, have one remaining. Minnesota punts. Buccaneers ball with 21 seconds left in the half at their own 28-yard line. And you're thinking, okay, do you want to just go to the locker room? Don't risk a turnover. Don't try to give Minnesota any cheap points since they punted it to you. Or do you want to try to go get something yourselves? Love the mentality of Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich's play caller. No risk it, no biscuit. Go try to get some more points in the final 20 seconds without a timeout. Brady's able to complete a couple of passes. One to Cameron Brate for nine yards over the middle. And then fired the ball over the middle again to Antonio Brown on a slant. He's able to get 16 yards. You run up. You get the ball spiked with one second left at the Minnesota 47. All right, so that gives you the chance at the Hail Mary. Which, again, low percentage that you're going to complete that. But maybe you're going to get what you got which is Rob Gronkowski, tremendous uh, catch radius with the height, with the arms, going to go up and try to battle uh, with defensive backs and and safeties back in the end zone, ends up drawing a flag. And I can share with you here on the podcast as part of the Buccaneers radio coverage, I was in the southwest corner of the end zone getting ready to interview Coach Bruce Arians coming off the field when the final play of that half happened in the Hail Mary. It happened right in front of me. And you could clearly see the Minnesota defensive back, uh, Davis, shoving Gronkowski into the pile of players. Never turned around for the ball. Puts a forearm right in Gronk's chest, right in front of me. Luckily, the back judge is looking right at it also. And I don't want to say it's rare. I mean, like right now, Jupiter and Saturn are lined up and they're visible in the Western Hemisphere, and that only happens like every 20 years where our rotation of the Earth and the rotation around uh, the the Moon and the Sun and, and, and we can see, you can literally see Jupiter and Saturn right now at night if you're here in the Western Hemisphere. It's rare. It only happens every 20 years for about two or three weeks. They they call pass interference on a Hail Mary a little more frequently than every 20 years but not much more frequently than that. So it is called there and that leads to a chip shot easy bang it through 18-yard Ryan Suck up field goal that makes the game 17 to 6 at this stage 17 unanswered points to end the half as I mentioned I was standing there near the southwest tunnel as the team came off the field Bruce Arians came over to us I asked him about that Scotty Miller play and he said hey huge momentum swing good to get him back involved Buccaneers weren't tackling as well and that's something that the head coach will talk about when you hear his interview uh, here in a little bit on nothing but Bucks in that first half and the one thing the coach said going to the locker room is we got to tackle better we got to shore up grabbing uh, Dalvin Cook or any of their backs out of the backfield and have a better opportunity. All right, so in the highlights, that would lead now to the third quarter of this game. And Tom Brady and company, just like they did against Kansas City two weeks ago, took the opening kickoff of the second half and and performed very well in moving the ball down inside the red zone, inside the goal-to-go area. Now in the KC game, you didn't get the touchdown. You didn't get the touchdown on second down trying to throw it or on third down. Here the Bucs, though, able to make something happen with a couple of plays. LaShawn McCoy, a 10-yard run up the middle. McCoy then another 14-yard run. Then Mike Evans catches the long one down the left sideline for 29 yards. Good to see him getting involved early in the third quarter. That would lead to second and goal on this play, as Gene and Dave called it. Offset eye formation and the rolling pass toward the end zone.
1: Caught by Kronkowski. Rollout by Brady. Hits his favorite target. And spiking the ball with the right hand is Gronkowski. Holy Gronkowski, the Bucs get a touchdown. It's 23-6. to six.
0: Holy Gronkowski is right. Holy Gronkamoly, as Gene likes to say. 94 connections now all-time. New England and this year in Tampa Bay for Tom Brady and Gronk. That means that the Buccaneers cashed in six instead of three, and Minnesota was in big, big trouble From that point on, I know the extra point was no good, but you were still up by 17, which meant two touchdowns and two twos could not tie you with the way that the Buccaneers could get after Kirk Cousins, and that would be a big part uh, of the rest of this game. Now, I know Minnesota would drive down the field uh, right after that. They got a couple of fourth downs. How about the Vikings? They got a fourth and one with Dalvin Cook on this drive. They got a fourth and six when Cousins found his tight end Terry Conklin for seven yards. Vikings were four for five on fourth down or this could have been a much bigger runaway margin than what it was they keep the drive alive Cousins gets the touchdown to his tight end Irv Smith uh, to make the game 23-14 at that stage and so you're looking up there's a lot of time left on the clock but one thing is it was such a time-consuming drive again it took eight and a half minutes for them to plod down the field convert those fourth downs convert a couple of times uh, on third down even on that drive but they're they're sort of back in at 23-14. So now you got to make something happen, and you were not able to uh, on the next drive as the Bucks go three and out. Got an early penalty for a false start. Go three and out and punt the ball away. Minnesota now tries to put something together. They do get a drive going. They're able to get Dalvin Cook going. Kirk Cousins scrambles once for 10 yards. Cook gets a seven-yard run. Uh, Cousins again scrambles for 12 more yards, and you're thinking, okay, if they get a touchdown here midway through the fourth quarter, the game is back on. But that's when the Buccaneers on back-to-back plays would dial things up. First, a, a blitz here that gets home. Vikings move left to right. Blitz threatened. Here it comes,
1: and he fumbles the football. It's loose. It's on the deck to the Bucs. Have it.
0: Even though Gene didn't call his name right there in that highlight, Antoine Winfield Jr., the rookie out of the University of Minnesota, the son of the former Minnesota Viking, Antoine Winfield oh, wow. Sr. Uh, it gets that sack uh, along with his teammates, but Winfield got there first, and Cousins did fumble the ball but fall back on it. Would have been a huge momentum swing and no points if he could have gotten the fumble right here. And the Bucs were undaunted. That This pushed uh, Minnesota back to the twenty so third and 20 from the 20 they're coming again Todd Bowles' defense empty backfield for Kirk Cousins the snap on third down and goal from the 20
1: Cousins he'll be sacked again Shaq Barrett wrapped him up and dropped him like a blanket
0: and that's Shaq Barrett number 58 coming on right now in the best part of the season with another big game another sack there and this would be important because it was second and goal at the eight yard line it's now fourth and 28 fourth and 28 uh fourth and goal from the 28 uh essentially and that meant that dan bailey was backed up yet again this time from 46 yards the south
1: end zone the spot will be at the 36 a 46 yard effort The spot is down the kick is airborne and it is it is no
0: Man, oh man, oh man for the Vikings. Yet another missed kick from Bailey, who who set a Minnesota record by the way at the end of last year because he had made 22 consecutive field goals at the end of 2019. Got a new contract as well with some guaranteed money from the Vikings but did he have an awful day or what at Raymond James Stadium? And for all the demons with Buccaneer kickers over the last decade, all the kickers we've gone through, the revolving door of all of all the guys missing over and over and over again, um, it was good to see another team come in and struggle to make the kicks. Uh, no points for Minnesota in that instance, and now you knew with the Buccaneers leading at this point 23-14, just go down and get at least three, if not seven, put the game away. Buccaneers were able to move into scoring position on a couple of plays. Uh, Antonio Brown caught a third down pass for 10 yards. Uh, then uh, Ronald Jones ripped off a 16-yard run running the clock. He moved into scoring range, and that would lead really to the clincher here offensively. The hole by Bradley Penyon. The kick is airborne, and it is right down
1: Dale Mabry. You couldn't kick it any better than Ryan Suckup just did and the cannons fired three times, and the Bucks lead 26 to 14.
0: We really haven't talked a lot about Ryan Suckup uh, kicking the ball because he's just been so consistent, so good, I know he missed an extra point in this game, but that was a money 48-yard field goal that the Bucks needed, that the Vikings couldn't get three over and over and over again, as Dan Bailey left 10 points out there for them with the missed extra point and the three missed field goals. Suckup's field goal making the game 26 to 14, and that meant that the Bucs could get after him even more. Here comes the pass rush again on the Vikings' next drive. Here is the snap to Cousins. He's been sacked four
1: times. Under pressure, under pressure. Yeah, hey, he's going to go down. He's sacked at the 48-yard line. He is brought down by Patrick O'Connor. Patrick O'Connor, welcome to the game.
0: Yes, reserve Patrick O'Connor who's just been biding his time comes in, gets the big play there. O'Connor had a block punt earlier in the year, primarily a special teams guy, called upon as a uh, rotated player. In it. Hey, guys, it was hot uh, down there for December the 15th. Uh, it was hot down on that turf, or December the 13th, excuse me, down on that turf at Raymond James Stadium for December. I know Fox was showing one of those temperature dials that you usually have out on your, on your back patio and around your pool. Uh, those can be a bit misleading, especially when they're out in the sun. You just have to be careful with those because Fox was showing this, and I had people remarking to me even while the game was going on, and I know Dave Moore mentioned it on our broadcast, man, it's 100 degrees on the field. It's different when those on-field thermometers are sitting in the sun. They can be 8 to 10 degrees hotter. I'm not going to say it was 75 degrees on the field. It was probably around 90 with the turf and with the Bucks in the dark jerseys. So you were kind of feeling uh, that the Bucks might be a little more fatigued, but hey, you're in the red, you're in the pewter. How many times have we seen the Bucks put the opposing team in the dark colors for 1 o'clock games in September at that stadium over the last two decades, over the last 20 years, and they come in and win in the dark jerseys and the heat doesn't bother them. So I don't want to hear any more about the dark jerseys have something to do with winning or losing uh, because it, it certainly hasn't bothered Buccaneer opponents to have dark dirt, d- dirt jerseys on enough when it's hot. So you just deal with it. Uh, again, on the point about O'Connor, he's rotating in because they're using different defensive tackles, giving Sue a break, giving William Golston a break, or Nacho a break. Uh, the new uh, Buccaneer that they traded for earlier this year, Steve McClendon, the guy they got from the Jets, they were rotating guys in and out. O'Connor's the one to get the sack. And then the well-rested Bucks would basically put the game here. Put it away.
1: Empty again for Kirk Cousins. Here comes pressure. We run a stunt. Cousins flushed out of the pocket, throws the ball, and he—it's it's fumble. It. It's a fumble football. Bucks have come up with it at the 44-yard line of the Vikings. I believe it's a fumble.
0: JPP comes up with the fumble recovery. His own sack. It's officially called a fumble. Uh, they, they could have maybe said that Cousins was throwing the ball. He caught it in midair. It would have been an interception. It's called officially a fumble. So a sack, fumble recovery. From JPP, what a season he's having! I know they're not going to play the Pro Bowl this year, but he's going to be an NFC Pro Bowl designee, uh, like the uh, the other guys are going to be designated. What a leader for this uh, team and that pass rush, and that basically ended things as the Buccaneers were able to get one more first down with Ronald Jones running it, uh, and, and Leal on the ball three times to end it at twenty-six to fourteen uh, in this one. Ah, uh, this is a solid, solid performance from this team across the board to come up with the victory uh, here against a Minnesota team, very game. I'm, I'm gonna point out again, you know people want to knock the fact that the Buccaneers are beating teams with a losing record. Minnesota had won five of six games, including beating Green Bay at Green Bay during that streak during that stretch run. So, Give credit here, uh where it's due. You gotta beat the teams that are right in front of you, and the Bucks were able to do that in a team that was chasing them in the NFC wildcard playoff picture. Buccaneers handled them when all was said and done uh here in uh this one. All right, so a couple of numbers uh that mattered. Ronald Jones, again, would finish with 80 yards in this game. The Buccaneer run game was back, setting up play action. Ronald Jones, 18 carries, 80 yards. LaShawn McCoy, 4 carries, 32 yards in the game. Those big runs, we didn't have it in the highlights. In the second half from him, again, Leonard Fournette was a healthy inactive. They went with the with the veteran, Shady McCoy. That means Buccaneer running backs, 22 carries, 112 yards. You will take that uh, from the Bucs and the job that they were able to do. Tom Brady finished 15 of 23, two touchdowns. Most importantly, no interceptions. Uh, And again, the Buccaneer offense was able to click when it needed to. Antonio Brown actually led the Bucs with five receptions on the game for 49 yards. Mike Evans, three for 56. Scotty Miller, the one catch for 48 yards and the touchdown. And Gronk, only the one official catch for two yards uh, and the score. But he had that big uh, pass interference that he garnered at the end of the first half. Uh, to help the team here. And again, Dalvin Cook did have 100 yards on the day. He's been tough against everybody. That's what—that's a rare time that the Bucs have given up 100 yards as the number one run defense in the NFL statistically this season. Cook got 102 yards. Kirk Cousins, again, modest numbers only for him. 24 of 37, 225. Did have the one touchdown, didn't have an interception. Carlton Davis had a great chance at an interception uh, in the in the second half of the game, in the fourth quarter of the game, but couldn't come up with it. That's all right, though. You got him on the ground six times in the game and got a sack fumble at the end if you're the Buccaneer defense to clinch it. So there's a look at some of the offensive numbers and from the defensive standpoint uh, in this game, Buccaneers led by Antoine Winfield Jr.'s 11 tackles, including that sack, uh, including a forced fumble on his sack. Uh, What a game for the rookie. Not playing like a rookie, especially when it matters the most. Uh, and I would love to know from him what were the conversations with dad about playing the Vikings because dad, dad's dad got to have like split allegiance. He once, Antoine Winfield Sr., intercepted Tom Brady as the Patriots quarterback, obviously, while playing for the Vikings. Now his son is out there going against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings and making plays. you love it for the rookie, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, Devin White also nine tackles in this game. We didn't have a highlight of Levante David. What a leader. Nine uh, it tackles. He had a pass defended where he broke up a pass on a third down play in this game. Give the Bucks a lot of credit. Shaq Barrett uh, with two more sacks, two other tackles for losses. We'll hear from Shaq Barrett in a few moments. Buccaneers had plenty of defense. It's the holiday season, right? It's Hanukkah. It's Christmas coming. You want the gifts. There were plenty of gifts to go around for the Bucks on both sides of the ball. Uh, statistically, in this game. That's for sure. And I know a lot of people are making a big deal about time of possession. I am going to do the impersonation here on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. As the late Howard Cosell would say about the Minnesota Vikings winning time of possession with 39 minutes out of the 40. 39.03 was their time of possession. Cosell said it all the time. The most overrated stat in all of sports. Time of possession. It's not how long you possess it it's what do you do with it and and even in a lot of cases in the NFL how quickly can you score to render time of possession overrated all right so bucks get the win now improved to 8 and 5 when it was done you as you can imagine the head coach was very pleased we talked to him on our hooters post game show on buccaneers radio you were successful full full four quarter game needed here today how and why did your team gut this one out coach
2: I think it was a good team, two, good team effort. All three phases, of our special teams were outstanding. Um, defensively, uh, I knew coming off the bye, I was worried about tackling because, in 27 years, that's always been a problem after an open date this late in the year, uh, and it was. But uh, we settled down. Offensively, we started clicking. Once we got it into two, two score game, I knew our defense can take off and start chasing the quarterback, and we did a great job of that.
0: Big momentum swing in the first quarter actually in the first half of the game, was the 48-yard touchdown play to Scotty Miller. Uh, describe uh, what you were looking for on that play. Is he the primary option? Is he one of the options? And obviously he got deep and Brady was able to find him.
2: Yeah, he's probably the last option. And uh, great protection uh, on that play. Tom was able to hold it, uh, go through one, two, three, and then find, find him deep over the middle. and Great throw and great catch.
0: Yeah, you were able to have success, obviously, running the football with Ronald Jones. How, uh, how big a key was that to get him reestablished, established play action, and all the things that come with it?
2: I was just, that's what we do, you know. And uh, i got to really put my hat off to Shady McCoy. We know we've kind of put him in there this week and uh, told him it was his job. And uh, man, did he give us a great lift. Uh, also, Rojo played great, and Shady really gave us a great lift there in the second half.
0: The two backs combining for 22 carries and 112 yards uh, in this game. Just before halftime, you were in an interesting position with a couple of timeouts left and only about 20, 25 seconds left in the half. You were looking to maybe try to get into long field goal range. As it turns out, you end up with a Hail Mary on the final play of the half that gets a flag, and you get a field goal with no time left in the half on an untimed down. Take me back through that sequence there because that was that was clearly stay on the gas knowing even that you're going to get the ball to start the second half.
2: Yeah, I, that's the thing. If we get a chance to get a score, a field goal there, and come out with the ball and get another score, uh, we know it would be huge. So when they ran the ball on second down, it's was like, okay, let's take the timeout and let's get them off the field. We did a great job really close to popping that punt return. I thought we had a. They thought we had a block on. I thought we were going to hit that punt return. But then Tom did a great job of getting us up to the Hail Mary range. Great protection. Put it up. And you never know what's going to happen on those plays. Chris almost came down with that ball after the tip. And then get the flag. We, we take the three, come back out, get a touchdown, and it's a 10-point swing.
0: And let's pick up right there on that drive. Nine plays, 75 yards out of the locker room, just like The game two weeks ago with Kansas City, you moved it well into scoring position uh, to start the second half, but you didn't get seven in that instance. This time you did get seven. You were able to find Gronk in the back of the end zone. From what you recollect, describe that play down on the goal line where Brady found Gronk in the back corner of the end zone.
2: Yeah, we we had a hard run action in in our goal line offense. And, uh, you know, we had a nice high-low on the corner between Rojo and Gronk. Tom put up a nice ball on Gronk, made a great catch. And they're a great red zone team. So uh, we've been a good red zone offense all year, and then today we were again.
0: Your pass rush, you you probably uh, can't say enough about what they were able to do, as you mentioned, with a two-score lead for a lot of the second half. Six sacks, JPP really the clinching play at the end with the sack, and the official credit is a fumble recovery. Could have maybe even called it an interception if they wanted to. Great individual play. Just say something about your front seven and the, and the pass rush, please.
2: Oh, I thought, I thought it was great. Shaq was great. JPP was great. The guy I'm going to put my hat on was Pat O'Connor. Pat, you know, a little-known guy that he came in and did an unbelievable job of, of rushing the passer for us when a couple guys were injured a little bit. You
0: know, something else you talked about, little things can lead to good things. Your team was able to battle uh, through the bye week, not have any COVID situations with contact tracing or anything else. Uh, and, and come out and be a, a pretty much healthy full football team. That was a big deal today.
2: It really was and again, it was it really evident in the fourth quarter that that we were a very fresh team and the heat coming kind of, and thats northern team coming down here in that kind of heat. I was so happy when it's hot today uh, because I knew sooner or later they're going they're gonna get a little tired from the heat and uh, our guys were fresh and uh, did a great job in, in the off week of getting fresh and staying safe and can't can't thank them enough. Um we had no no cases whatsoever and came back as a healthy football
0: team. Complete victory and a happy head coach for sure, especially off of the bye week with a veteran coaching staff, Todd Bowles, who had been with him in Arizona, who's been a head coach now with the New York Jets, Byron Leftwich, who, as you can see, is a play caller. Uh, once again, there there are uh, plays open, plays to be made. I know Tom Brady has a couple throws he'd love to have back, or he had an even bigger get, uh, game uh, throwing the football, but they got in the red zone, got in the goal to go and got a couple of touchdowns. Once again, uh, give this veteran coaching staff, uh, Harold Goodwin, the run game coordinator, Keith Armstrong, the special teams coordinator, they're all veteran coaches and the bucks were locked in and loaded, uh, off the bye week Speaking of Tom Brady, here he was when it was done speaking with the media about the latest win.
2: Congratulations, first and foremost. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on today's performance and how big
0: was it for you guys to come out of the bye week, at, especially considering you guys had two losses. How big was it for you guys to come out of the bye week with a W? Yeah,
3: it was a good win. Um, we're obviously going to need to, um, you know, keep just making progress. And uh, it was a good week of practice. And you know, defense was on the field a lot. We didn't, you know, on offense didn't convert as many third downs as we needed to, but. Um, you know, it was a good win for our team, so keep it going.
4: Hey, Tom, you guys didn't have that many chances on offense early, but just if I can, ask you about the Scotty Miller touchdown and what that did to give you guys a spark on offense.
3: It was a good play. They ended up rushing three, and the line did a great job protecting. They've been protecting all year, and uh, they protected great today. Uh, you know, Didn't give much pressure, uh, very few penalties, if any. I don't really remember any. Uh, and they gave me a lot of time on that play. Scotty ran the post, and... Just got it up over the top of the safety, and uh, Scotty made a great catch. So big play for us. Um, You know, we just got to keep making them. Hey, Tom, I wanted to talk to you about the play at the end of the first half, your Hail Mary attempt to Gronk that got uh, flagged for DPI, helped set you guys up for the field goal there. Just just speak to that throw and, and Bruce's decision to go for it and try to get some points with less than a minute left right before halftime. Yeah, it was good. We hit the uh, we hit a ball to the tight end and we hit uh, A.B. on the crosser. And then, um, you know, had a shot at the end zone. So it was a good play. And, uh, you know, ended up getting three three out of it. It was a good, uh, you know, it was a, uh, you know, a good play by us offensively. You know, they got the P.I. Gronk was going up to possibly get that. And you uh, ended up working out well for us.
2: Hey, Tom, the the drive to start the second half. I think Shady, we haven't seen him in a while, comes out and touches the ball a bunch, makes some yards, and then then you get a big play. Uh, What what was it like to have Shady back in there to to be an outlet for you?
3: It was great. You know, great for him to be in there and contribute. I know he's been itching to get back in there and make plays for us, and he did today. So, um, you know, everyone appreciates how hard he works and, you know, the pro that he is, uh, his mentality. Um, you know to practice and his prep for the game, and um, it was great to see him make plays.
4: Hey Tom, eight eight and five sounds a lot better than seven and six, Tom. So yep. uh, what what does this win uh, do for this team's confidence uh, going forward?
3: Yeah, you know winning winning in the NFL is tough. You know it's I've been doing this a long time. It's there's no easy games. Um, you know everyone's a battle, and there's a hard there's a team that's won I think four or five or five or six. They've been in a lot of games and uh, very competitive. They got some. Great players on offense, um, some really dynamic players on defense, especially in the secondary, and uh, it was just good to get a win. So it feels good. We just, by the end of tonight, we'll kind of move on and get ready for Atlanta and go there. It's going to be a uh, biggest game of our season.
2: Hey, Tom, I know you talked a lot this week about wanting to make progress each and every week. So coming off the bye, is there an area in particular you feel good about that you made progress in today?
3: Yeah, I just think, you know, Dana's complimenting You know, our run game, pass game, you know, everything, finding our rhythm and, um, you know, finding ways to win games and making plays in situational football like we did the end of the first half and the start of the second half. Defense came up with some big plays there in the fourth quarter. Man, that's what it's going to take as we go forward.
0: Brady keeping it short and sweet as, uh, by the way, he now has the second most touchdown passes in a Buccaneer single season ever uh, coming up now with two more, 30 of them on the year. And let's see if it uh, if it doesn't continue here in these last three games. We'll talk more about the stretch run here in a couple of moments on the podcast. Scotty Miller, 48-yard touchdown in the first half. Welcome back to being part of the fold, part of the targeting, downfield big plays, longest Buccaneer touchdown pass of the season right now. Comes in the 13th game in Week 14 to Scotty Miller. And I spoke with him on our Hooters postgame show when it was done. Ronnie, thanks very much. And, again, the Buccaneers get the win 26-14. Scotty Miller with us immediately after this is over. With the win is the most important thing coming off the bye, having lost three of four games. This team put together a very complete game today. Scotty, that's me saying that. What are your thoughts immediately after it's over on getting this victory over the Vikings?
4: Yeah, exactly what you said. It was a great game, all three phases for us. Um, you know, every everyone had a hand in, in the win. And it was a big, huge game, you know, with them reading right behind us in the playoff run um, for that fight for those, you know, last couple wild card spots. So, just a huge game for us. We're all energized. We're excited about it. And uh, and then after 24 hours, we'll get ready for, for the next one and try to and uh, uh, win these last three games.
0: You guys were able to get momentum in no small part due to your 48-yard touchdown catch. Describe the play, how you got open, and looking up to see that football coming your way in the end zone.
4: Yeah, um, really. I think I motioned over to the right side, and then uh, I really just had like a deep post route. So um, Tom was protected really well, really clean pocket. You know, check checked the uh, underneath guys first, and then saw the uh, the one high safety creep down, and then I just had a one on one with the corner. As soon as I got on my break, you know, looked up saw that ball floating in the air, and uh, as always, it ended up landing right in the bread basket for me. Uh, made it really easy for me, um, and then I was just super excited. I've been uh, I've been made too many like big plays up late um so just super excited um and and hyped up for the
0: team and for you you have not had a lot of opportunity as you were alluding to over the last month what have you done what have you told yourself who else maybe it's been tom brady byron Lefwich, who whom else has encouraged you hey keep working hard you're going to get your chance how has that worked
4: yeah uh, i mean that's my mentality really like you can't sit on the sideline and be discouraged um I just try, I know, I know, I knew opportunities were going to come, you know, so I had to wait, wait for them. You never know what game it's going to come or what time, what quarter, you, you never know. But when, when your opportunity comes, you got to be able to make the play. Uh, so my mentality just stayed ready. Um, whenever my name was called, I was just going to be ready to make that big play.
0: And one more before we let you go. Tom Brady, obviously, headed the, the Hall of Fame on the first ballot, has won so many huge games, especially in December in his career. I just wonder, what was he like today in the huddle, on the sideline, in the second half? What, if anything, can you share with us about the leadership he brings, the confidence level that he brings that you guys were going to be able to pull this one out?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we got all the confidence in the world. We got the greatest ever doing leading us. Um, so, I mean, he, he demands greatness of us as well. So we just want to go in there and, and play well alongside of him. Um, we know he's going to put the ball in the right place, he's going to make the right reads, you know. Um, so it's really it's easy for us. He makes it easy for everyone around him. Um, just his leadership is, is amazing, and uh, I think we all feed off his energy.
0: Scotty, congratulations on the victory. Thank you for stopping for us. All right, thanks. You know, and whether you're talking about Scotty Miller, whether you're talking about somebody like Patrick O'Connor who got a sack, who's out there battling, playing special teams, we've seen Justin Watson pressed into duty to go make some catches. Uh, whoever it is, in the secondary, Ross Cockrell, a veteran has been feel- filling in for the last two or three games, there are a lot of these guys that are on the active roster. That are that are practicing, that are battling for playing time, standing and waiting and watching most of the game. Lashawn McCoy has had to stand and wait and watch for basically about five or six games as a veteran, but when it's time for your number to be called to get out there, like Scotty Miller yesterday, go make a play. Uh, and and I love what he was saying. You know, you know, you're going to get leadership from Tom Brady, uh, sideline huddle. Uh, in the in the crucial moments in the second half of a game. you got it there yesterday. Good to hear all of that. and good to have the Buccaneer defense back making plays, including Shack Barrett. We mentioned the two sacks. We played one of the highlights. Uh, here was number 58 of the bucks talking about why that pass rush had so much success
2: uh the back end did a great job uh holding them guys up uh making cousins hold the ball for us and we had a couple of stunts that worked out pretty good that i was able to let us get to the quarterback and then we just had a motor to just to keep going because he was holding the ball giving us a chance to get after the quarterback
4: how it's it's been a while since you guys have had double digit lead in the second half of a game where you can expect teams to pass i'm sure that's going to be a dream second half for you as a pass rusher those kind of situations
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. We most definitely was uh, ready to feast and get after the quarterback once we was up by double digits with a certain amount of time left. We knew they had to pass it and we was ready to take advantage of it.
0: It was relentless out there for a six sack game and the defense looked like the defense from the first quarter on. I mean, I've talked to so many people uh, on and off the year over the last two or three weeks about what's wrong with the defense. Uh, and and why can't they they get the pass coverage? And I said, hey, there's two factors right now that that are going to be crucial for the stretch run of the season. That is, continue to get leads of a touchdown, ten points, and force the other team to have to throw. This team on defense, their strength is get after the quarterback as much as anything. So get the lead, get the lead like what we saw Sunday, where you're up seventeen to six, where you're up twenty three to six. That's that's the biggest part for this defense. That's that's playing to their strength. And the other thing is, don't don't lose hope here if things aren't going well in the first quarter, because we now have seen this again. We've seen it probably five or six times this year where they fall behind in the first quarter, but they make adjustments. They figure things out. Todd Bowles, his staff, they figure things out over on the sideline. And by the second quarter, they're locked in on what the other team is doing. They've adjusted to what the other team is doing. And then you got to adjust to the adjustments. I understand that. But this was a tremendous job of really keeping the Vikings at bay for a lot of the game. I know they got the one long drive and the touchdown in the second half. I know Bailey missed field goals when they had opportunities to score. But it's not like the Vikings were doing to them what the Chiefs did to them early in the game. It's not like what happened in the Saints game back now five weeks ago that we're not going to speak of anymore. The defense... Look at the Green Bay win, but back earlier in the year, gave up 10 early points, locked in in the second quarter, flipped the whole game around with the turnovers, got all the sacks. Look at the Las Vegas game the next week, Raiders drove down the field, got an early 7-0 lead, Buccaneers adjusted, when they adjusted, they stuffed Derek Carr and the Raiders basically for the rest of that entire game, sacking him, intercepting him. Same kind of formula. We saw it in Carolina against uh, Teddy Bridgewater back about four weeks ago off the New Orleans loss. Gave up an early score, adjusted, and then uh, pulled away. Pinned the years back, got after Bridgewater with sacks and with turnovers, blew the Panthers out. That's the same kind of formula here late in the year that you want to see from this team. All right, so there you go, your postgame interviews after it was done on Sunday, and now a 23 23- to 14 victory. Very interesting. A stat here that I will throw out. Uh, I love my guy, Paul Stewart, who is the Buccaneer Historian with his website, buckpower.com. Or I'll even say it for Scoop, because I'm sure he's listening. I've had close to a 25-year friendship and Buccaneer relationship with Paul Stewart over in England, and I, and his nickname is Scoop. little inside joke. Scoop! Uh, I'll even do it with my British accent. He says, TJ... Uh, Buck Power, my Buck Power site. We love the Buccaneers and the Buck Power. All right, so Buck Power was getting in touch with me yesterday. How about this? I have not made mention the passing of a former Buccaneer head coach uh, the week of this game, this past week, this Minnesota game. Ray Perkins died at 79 years of age. Uh, Perkins coached the Buccaneers in the late 1980s, 87 through 1990. There was some modest success uh, he is he is known more for the three a day pa- practices. I can tell you, as a teenager, I remember being out at Rood Stadium that 1987 season where it was torturous three a day practice. His first year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in those training camps, uh, and you wondered why the team didn't have any legs later on in the year in 1987 in the strike year. Um, Even with the strike, they still didn't have any legs later in the year. But anyway, uh, Perkins had some success, eventually fired in 1990 uh, by owner Hugh Culverhouse. And Paul Stewart gave me this stat. Are you ready for the Twinkie Twilight Zone? The Buccaneer Twilight Zone. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Here we go. Uh, When Ray Perkins was dismissed in December of 1990 off of a win... Buccaneer fans. The Bucs had beaten the Atlanta Falcons that year, late in the year, in December. Perkins was fired with about three games remaining in the season. I believe it was three games remaining in the season. The Buccaneers, the following week after he was fired, put Richard Williamson in as the interim head coach, the receivers coach and the uh, the offensive coordinator, and won the game against then-NFC central rival Minnesota at home. At the old stadium, the old sombrero, 26-13 to 13 was the final score. 30 years ago, December 1990, the late Ray Perkins fired as the coach. Buccaneers next game at home with Minnesota win the game 26-13. You feeling me yet? Buccaneers come into this game off the bye week, days after Ray Perkins passed away. 30 years later, the opponent is the Minnesota Vikings at home, new stadium, Raymond James Stadium, and do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, final score, 26-14. That's a little eerie. Thank you to Paul Stewart, buckpower.com, the Buccaneer historian. That site has everything from game recaps all the way back to 1976, historical roster information. You want to know anything about any Buccaneer player, any Buccaneer game? Buckpower.com. Scoop! What a great stat. He was sending me that stat last night. Incredible. Thirty. I mean, eerie. Thirty years later, um, the symmetry about Ray Perkins. Uh, And condolences to Perkins, his family, the Buccaneer family. I know that's a long time ago for the newer Buccaneer fans to remember this, but I still remember that whole time frame in and around Ray Perkins and trying to uh, turn it around. And and Richard Williamson won a couple of games at the end of the 91 season and then was kept on as the head coach, or at the end of the 90 season, kept on as the head coach for 91. That team was terrible in 91. He was fired. Then Sam Weich was brought in. Weich had some early success. Eventually, he was fired, Tony Dungy brought in, great turnaround of the culture into a playoff contending team, and then John Gruden comes in and eventually wins the Super Bowl, all of that lineage going back to the 80s uh, and, and how things went. All right, so there you go with the historical perspective. Now let's get into the playoff picture, final moment or two here before we talk about this game with the Atlanta Falcons that will be the next game coming on Sunday. So the Philadelphia Eagles, thank you very much. Jalen Hurts, the rookie quarterback, thank you very much. Doug Peterson, the head coach, the Eagle defense, they hung on. They played well, and they hung on and beat the New Orleans Saints. And so now, here we sit with three games to go. I fully understand the Saints are two games in front, and the Saints have the the head-to-head tiebreaker with both the wins. But this is where all the games matter, And this is where you've got to let the season completely play out. Because here comes the scenario for this week. Will Drew Brees be back off the fractured ribs from a month ago? Taysom Hill has played in his place. And Taysom Hill has played well. Surprisingly well. My hand is up even though you can't see me on the podcast. That Taysom Hill has led the Saints to better football than I think a lot of people believed he was going to. Uh, He was throwing passes down the field in that game with Philadelphia. He looks like the real deal as a future quarterback in New Orleans, if not there somewhere else, but they love him. All right, Hill couldn't rally them yesterday. They lose. Now what do they do? We don't know this early on in the week at the time I'm releasing this podcast. Are they going to go back to Drew Brees for an enormous game with the Kansas City Chiefs for the New Orleans Saints? You've heard of the Chiefs, right, who beat the Bucs a couple of weeks ago, who won in Miami yesterday, who are now – with uh, the three games to go now 12-1 and and leading the AFC playoff picture and have every reason to win out and have home field advantage in the AFC for the Kansas City. You've heard of them, right? So the Saints will now host the Chiefs in an enormous game coming this weekend at the Superdome. So here's the scenario, folks, with three games to go. The Buccaneers are playing the Atlanta Falcons twice, Falcons, by the way, a last-second loser to the lowly L.A. Chargers this past Sunday as the Chargers kicked a field goal in the final play of the game to beat them and dropped them to 4-9. and nine. If you are the Buccaneers looking at playing at Atlanta this week, playing the Lions, I know the Lions played better again yesterday, but they lost to Green Bay. The Lions have already fired their coach. The Falcons have already fired their coach. you got to take them one at a time, but you're looking at the possibility of of being able to win out. The possibility exists. And certainly if you can beat Atlanta this week in Atlanta. Two games to go at Detroit. Who's fired their coach and has a losing record. And is playing out the string now. At the end on the day after Christmas. And then to play Atlanta at home. To end it. Don't get too far ahead. I understand that. That's that's for Bruce Arians to say to his team. Tom Brady. The leaders. Jason Pierre-Paul. Gronk. Levante, David, don't get too far ahead. That's for them. Mike Evans. But if you're a Buccaneer fan projecting, if the Saints lose this week to the Chiefs, which could very well happen no matter who the quarterback is and how lethal Kansas City is on offense, it's going to be a great matchup with the Saints defense. And the Buccaneers win in Atlanta, the division lead is one game with two to play. And I'm not even going to project beyond that for right now. Because we have to let all of this play out for this week. But lo and behold, the division is not extinguished just yet. It's all but extinguished, but it's not extinguished yet. Go beat the Falcons. Let's see what the Chiefs do with the Saints. And then there's two weeks to go in the season. And by the way, one more win to get the Buccaneers to 9-5 and five this week all but assures you NFC uh, playoff spot at this point. It's not guaranteed if you win Sunday. Yes, you've got to play the last two games. A 10th win, you're absolutely in at the minimum probably of the sixth seed because there's not enough teams that are going to be able to catch you at 10 wins for a tiebreaker that are behind you right now. The only team in front of you is Seattle at nine wins, you, and they're going to be the five right now. You're the sixth right now. You get to a tenth win by winning two of the last three. Heck, go ahead and win the last three and have 11 wins. And maybe you jump jump Seattle uh, and you're in the five spot, no worse. No worse than the five spot in the NFC playoffs. But certainly ten wins has you no worse than the five spot because the teams behind the Buccaneers right now, like the Cardinals, like the New York Giants, like that Minnesota team that you defeated yesterday, they're not going to get to ten wins when this is all said and done. Not going to happen. Not enough games left. And plus, they're playing each other in some cases, too, where they can't both win. All right, so the NFC playoff picture coming into focus. The Bucks firmly in it. I love the new feature that NBC is doing with their uh, political data. Big whiteboard uh, guru Steve Karnacki is his name in the khaki pants. If you haven't been watching him, it's all over uh, NBC Sports' coverage of the NFL. It's all over their web a uh, presence on NBCSports.com and their social media. So he was projecting last night the NFC playoff picture, and he put the numbers 95, 95% chance now that the Buccaneers are at to make the NFC playoffs. And the teams around them, the Vikings dropped all the way down to like 30% off the loss. That's how big this win was yesterday, head-to-head, because now the Buccaneers are not only... Two games in front of the Vikings, they're actually two and a half in front of the Vikings because if they finish tied head to head, the Buccaneers would get the playoff nod. So that's how big that game was. It's also uh, how big over the next couple of weeks, winning one more, if not two more games, it's going to increase from 95 to like 98%, basically, if not clinched, depending on who else loses. I mean, the Buccaneers could be in a position, while well, we just have one more second here on Nothing But Bucks. That you win next week and you win against the Lions, and dare I say you have locked up an NFC playoff spot, not just position, not necessarily position in the playoffs, but you have locked up an NFC playoff spot before the final game. Wouldn't that be great? Just got to keep winning. Be focused on the Falcons and the first of two matchups uh, coming this week. Obviously, they still have Matt Ryan. Julio Jones didn't play in the game in L.A. against the Chargers. Uh, they they again got a wide receiver touchdown pass uh, yesterday in the game uh, to Calvin Ridley in the first half of the game. But give Justin Herbert and the Chargers credit; they come back. They do the Bucks a favor by putting the uh, the Falcons down one more time from a morale standpoint. Atlanta's now lost three of four games off that loss. Come in at four and nine, and you've got a chance to drive a stake through the Atlanta Falcons right here. I know it's former coach Raheem Morris who I have great affinity for, did his coaches' shows, his pre- and his post-game interviews. I've said this over and over again. The Falcons can beat anybody else, but they're not going to beat the Buccaneers. Sorry, Raheem. Take it to them, Buccaneers at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Come out ready to go. Go get this win. Be focused. Be sharp. Don't turn the ball over. Don't commit penalties. Go get the win, and let's see if Kansas City can do to the Saints what they've done to virtually everybody else except the one home game with the Raiders – And then things get very, very interesting at the end of the season with two weeks to go. So that is the next matchup. Buccaneers-Falcons-Mercedes-Benz Stadium, one Eastern time again for that Sunday game. We'll be on the air with the Buccaneers Radio Network broadcast beginning at noon with all the coverage with Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore and me. My thanks to our director of broadcasting, Jeff Ryan. My thanks again to Steve Carney, hero of heroes, with all of the audio, the highlights, the interviews that you're hearing. Thank you, my friend. Great stuff. Brother Carney, we're done here. Reminder, subscribe. However you found this podcast, subscribe uh, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, subscribe to it on the Buccaneers mobile app to you get an immediate notification when the new one comes out. We'll be back next Monday after the game. With the Falcons, let's talk about a Buccaneers win, shall we? Let's talk about being 9-5 if you get that win, which it would be the first time that the Bucs were 9-5 since 2008. Let's go. Let's get it. Playoffs within the grasp of Brady and Evans and Gronk and Barrett and Devin White and JPP and Levante David. Go get that win in Atlanta. And help shore up an NFC playoff spot in the process. We'll be back to recap all of it when it is all done. That is coming after next Sunday in Atlanta. For now, we are done. The Bucks at eight and five off the Vikings win, and you've been listening to nothing but Bucks. Bye.